Hi, welcome to the Bella Podcast. Today we're speaking with author Lorraine Canistra, and our discussion is based around more of the same than different, which is the title of her new book. We'll be speaking about how inclusivity and equality are important in our society today, and that we're all unique individuals, and it's our differences that make us beautiful. Without further ado, here's Lorraine. All right, Lorraine, how are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you. So we're here to talk about your book. I'm so proud that you took the time and the energy to share yourself with us. Now, your book is called More Alike Than Different. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? I can. Um, The book is actually more the same than different. It, it It was really important to me. I have lived with my disability my entire life. And as such, sometimes people treat me a lot differently than they would other people. It was really important to me to communicate to as many people as I can that I am just like they are, that there's really not a lot of difference. And I know that a lot of people are uncomfortable around those of us with disabilities. So I wanted to do what I could to break down those barriers so that um, bridges could be built instead of a bunch of separation and thinking that people with disabilities were so different than everybody else. Absolutely, Lorraine. I wholeheartedly agree with that, that we're all just people. Now, I have to kind of introduce you and how we came to met or how we came to get to know each other. We started off by ballroom dancing. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is you do, why it is you do it, and what brought you to ballroom dancing? Well, um, I was first introduced to wheelchair ballroom dancing. I was um, crowned Miss Wheelchair Kansas 2007. And you and another one of your students did an exhibition of wheelchair ballroom dance at uh, the crowning ceremony of Miss Wheelchair Kansas. It had been suggested to me before that that I tried wheelchair ballroom dancing and I was not interested at all. I tried it once before and I hated it. Um, didn't want anything to do with it. But then I saw you dance with, a, with another person and by the time you were finished with your performance, I was in tears and I went up to you and I said, how do I learn to do what you just did with somebody else in a wheelchair? And you told me you could give me lessons, and that's how we got to know each other. 
gave me lessons for a while. And it was wonderful. Every minute of it. And you has never ceased to amaze me. And I was always impressed by how expressive and how um, beautiful you show how you're feeling. It's very rare that people are able to do that. So I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate your book. I sat down and read it in one sitting. It was spectacular. And I'm so proud of it. So I want to talk about the book. And your purpose of writing the book was to help break down the barriers between people who are using wheelchairs or any other device and the people who don't. And so tell me a little bit more, more about what those barriers are. Um, typically when I go into a crowd of people who I don't know or who don't know me, it's very easy for me to spot people who are very uncomfortable around me. And I don't think they're uncomfortable around me specifically. I think they're scared of doing the wrong thing or doing something that might be offensive. And that always makes me so sad because, you know, we're all human beings and we all um, mess up sometimes. I mess up several times a day. And I would hate for somebody's fear of offending me to stop them from trying to get to know me. Um, that makes me very sad. The, the way I came to write this book, um, I had an experience a while ago now, several years ago now. I went out to lunch with one of my caregivers and the hostess of the restaurant where we were saw my caregiver and I come in. Obviously, I'm a wheelchair user. She looked at both of us. She looked at my caregiver and said, do you need a children's menu for her? I was 39 years old at the time. And so my poor caregiver didn't know what to do. So I looked at the hostess and I said, no thanks, I'm pretty hungry. I think your adult portions will be just fine. And then I spent the next several weeks or months trying, you know, going over that conversation. It occurred to me that that, that hostess really didn't mean to be offensive. She didn't wake up in bed, at, you know, she didn't wake up that morning and say, I'm going to ruin Lorraine's day today. She just didn't know what to do. She hadn't had the experience around people with disabilities that she needed to feel comfortable. So once that settled into my soul that nobody was being intentionally offensive, then I thought, okay, what can I do to make this situation better? And so I thought if I could write a book and I could put in it 
various scenarios, experiences from my life, and scenarios that I can imagine that would happen, where I can say, this is what people did right, and this is what maybe could happen differently, then maybe people would feel more comfortable, and there wouldn't be that fear, there wouldn't be that awkwardness, because we're more the same than different. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I know that based from experience. But the thing is, when you do a beautiful job of explaining and setting the stage in your book, in that first chapter, talking about how, you know, how we're the same and how we struggle, some of our struggles, and all of that. What are some highlights? What are some things that we need to know that we're, we're not really that different? Um, you know, I get a lot, I get asked a lot by a lot of people when I speak what my day is like. And typically I say something like, I get up in the morning, I have a shower, I eat an English muffin, and then I go about and do whatever I have to do for the day. And I may do some of those kinds of things a little differently than you would as someone without a, an obvious physical disability. It might take me a little longer. I might use some tools that are differently than, than you would have to. But at the end of the day, I do the same things. It's the same outcome. And so if, if people are focusing on the big picture, then, then that's what it is. We're, we're, we're all people trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to live my life with the cards that I've been dealt just like everybody else's. And so, um, you know, a lot of times people say, I'm not sure I could live the life that you live. Well, there's no way anybody could know that unless they are in my situation. So, you know, does that make me special? Not really. It makes me do things differently than other people do because of the circumstances I'm in. That's where it ends. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly understand that. I think a lot of us struggle with that disability or no disability. I mean, we oftentimes think we know things that we don't, or we don't know things that we want to know. And by doing so, we kind of create some sort of a distance between ourselves and other people. Regardless of what it is, whether it's cultural or linguistic or religious, there's so many different uh, political ideas, 
all kinds of things that we do that with. And I loved how you brought that out in the open and said, no, there's nothing different. It's just how we go about it. We're all doing the same thing. And I love that. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, which brings me to the next chapter that you, because that was the first chapter. The second chapter you said, well, I'm not broke and I don't need fixing. And I think that's a beautiful statement. It's amazing, empowering, and we all need to take that into our hearts and feel that we are not broken. So can you speak a little bit more about that, a little bit more about how you discussed that in that chapter? Sure. Um, I think a lot of well-meaning and maybe people who are unaware will look at me and think, there is some part of Lorraine that is broken. Lorraine doesn't walk. And therefore, it must be Lorraine's biggest dream to get up and walk one day. And that's not true. I have spent most of my adult life learning how to embrace my disability and the body and the life that I've been given the way it is. I think one of the things that makes me unique is that I do have a disability and I do things differently than other people do. That doesn't mean that I, that I suffer or my life is horrible. Do I have frustrating days sometimes? Do I have a lot of pain I wish I didn't have? Of course I do, but I would not trade my life and my experiences as a wheelchair user for the ability to walk. I don't think walking, I, you know, I think it's overrated. I think the way I get from point A to point B is fine. And I wouldn't trade the life that I've had to be able to walk on my two feet. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. I don't think I'm missing out on anything. I've never known any different. I can't speak for people who acquire a disability at some point in their lives. But for me, um, this is how my life has always been. So, so I don't think there's anything I'm missing out on. I mean, heck, Chris, you taught me to dance. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's nothing we didn't do, right? One of the things that I thought was the, the most amazing thing is how you taught me how to express in ways that I never thought were possible. I think one of the most beautiful things about our lives on Earth and as humans, we're all the same. 
like you mentioned earlier. And our lives are beautiful and they're different, but we're all the same. And we all want to express, we all want to be loved, we all want to be a part of something, we want to feel needed um, and help others. And I think that is, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. We may not always do it the same way as like you mentioned earlier. And I think you're amazing. And I'm so impressed with the book. And I think everyone should go out and get the book for sure. Because it's, it's definitely, it is not specifically only for people who are trying to understand wheelchair users or any of that it is a book about life it is a book about inspiration about empowerment and expression it's beautiful now can i ask you a question we haven't discussed what it is your um disability is can you do you feel comfortable talking about that absolutely I was born with cerebral palsy. I was born, I'm gonna date myself here. I was born in the late 1960s. <laughs> um, and it was before the neo, the field of neonatology existed. So when I was, and if anybody knows their developmental biology, the lungs are the last things on a fetus to develop. So when I was born 11 weeks premature, my lungs had not fully developed yet. And um, that meant that I literally couldn't breathe. And in the time it took doctors to understand what was happening and get me into an incubator, my brain didn't get enough oxygen. So brain cells died. So cerebral palsy, at least at the time that I was born, did not mean that my arms were weak or my legs were weak. It's that my brain cannot make the connection to tell my body to work. And that's where, that's what cerebral palsy is. It's about a lack of oxygen. Thank you, thank you so much for that. Now, your life has been full of adventure. And I wanna talk a little bit about some things that have empowered you. Because you have a chapter about empowerment and what is empowering. Can you kind of discuss a little bit about some of the things that are empowering for you? Uh, what's empowering for me? It's very empowering for me when people treat me like an equal. Um, it's very empowering for me when people give me as many choices as possible and not make assumptions about what I need or what I want but talk to me directly instead. 
it's very empowering for me when somebody suggests an activity and then is willing to figure out how to adapt it so that I can participate. Whether that's something fun or some kind of, you know, if I need some accommodation in a meeting space or anything like that, those kinds of things are really empowering. Um, I find it very empowering when people um, have a conversation with me like they would anybody else that isn't solely around my disability or the things that I've experienced. It's empowering for me if somebody asks me what I watched on TV last night that I really liked. Um, it's empowering for me when, when I have doubts whether I can do something and somebody else says, let's give it a shot. Um, those kinds of things are really empowering. Especially when somebody says, I really want this to work out. Let's figure out how to make it work. I think we all want that, don't we? And that's, again, some, some of the things that you said earlier is that we're all the same. We're more alike than we are different. And those differences can be a a source of a divide between us, or they could be strings that connect us together. Because not everybody does things differently. I mean, the same. We all do things differently. And that's how beauty inspires. We get inspired by watching people, by doing things. It's, it's amazing, it's wonderful. And you do, an amazing job of illustrating that in your book. There was one story that was really um, interesting when you were trying to go up a hill and someone had taken away your <laughs> inspiration and motivation. Can you please um, kind of go over that and elaborate on that particular story? It's really interesting that you mentioned that particular story, Chris, because I think that is the crux of my book. Um, there was a time, there was a time when I was a student at Emporia State University. And one of the reasons that I went to school there is because the campus is pretty compact and it's really wheelchair accessible. And it was accessible before the Americans with Disabilities Act um, came to be. And so they had been accessible for a really long time. Um, one of the things about the campus is that there's this really big hill um, and it happened to be the hill, the bottom of the hill was at the dorm that I lived in the top of the hill was where all my English classes were. And I was an English major, so I had to make it up the hill a lot. And when I first got to campus, I couldn't do it. I wasn't strong enough. And I had come to college a semester late. I had been very sick. I'd had to have unexpected surgery. And 
Um, so I wasn't as strong as I normally was. And as the week weeks went by, I kind of had it in my head that if I could make it up the hill by myself, I was going to be successful in college. And I know that is not logical. And there is no rational thing that makes sense there. But that's what I had in my head. So I practiced for a few months. And there was one day that I said, okay, today is the day I'm going to make it up the hill by myself. So I got to the bottom of the hill and I started to psych myself up. Today I can do this. I can do this and I'm going to make it to the top of the hill. Today's going to be the day. I just have to pace myself. It's going to be fine. So I started out and I pushed and I was talking to myself. I was making it about a third of the way up the hill. And then a guy came up behind me without a word and he pushed me the rest of the way up the hill. Now, I know his heart was in the right place and he was trying to do a good thing. In his head, he saw me struggle and he thought he was helping me out. In reality, I was crushed because I had it in my head that I was going to do this by myself and it was going to be really meaningful for me. And he took that away from me without giving me a choice. And that day, that was devastating. And he will probably never know that that's what he did. And that's okay. But what I wanted to communicate, the reason that I put that story in that book is because I want people to understand that if they see people struggle, that doesn't automatically mean that people with disabilities need help. I mean, if there's something that I want to do by myself that I'm going to feel really good about accomplishing, then I really don't want to take have anybody take that away from me. Because once I accomplish that thing that I couldn't do yesterday, then I will have that for the rest of my life. That'll turn into something that I can put on the list that I can do. And I try to make the list of things that I can do much longer than the things that I can't. But if people keep helping me without asking me if I need help, then my list of cans is never going to get longer. And that's not okay with me. So the message in that story is if you see somebody with a disability and it looks like they're struggling, please ask them if they need help before you do anything and respect them. If they say, no, I'm fine. I want to do it myself. No matter how much it looks like they're struggling. Wow, that's such a uh, empowering story to hear because I know you were disempowered. But through that, you've given a lot of people a voice where they probably wouldn't have one or know what to say because, you know, I, what you said earlier was that, you know, people do want to help 
and they had a good intention behind it, but sometimes those intentions have adverse reactions or adverse effects. And I think the way you express that story, whether you're a wheelchair user or um, a crutch user or anything, we all want to be able to do things. We all want to struggle and we all want to be asked if we needed help. And I think that's just absolutely amazing. And you highlight that and talk about it in terms that is palatable in your book. And I think that's wonderful. Now, you also talk about something interesting and um, it's called inspiration and porn. So I just want to kind of bring to light that um, motivation is something that is extremely, extremely important. But what is this concept of inspiration and porn? Please elaborate. inspiration porn <clears throat> it's the concept that people with disabilities are inspiring simply because they have disabilities um and i object to that line of thinking because like i said i try and live my life just like everybody else given the cards that i've been dealt so to me it's not inspirational that I can make myself a sandwich because a whole bunch of people can do that. It's not inspirational that I have a job because a whole lot of people do that. Now, on the other hand, if I work on a dance routine and I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours have gone into practicing and doing that routine right, and somebody is inspired by that dance routine, then that's a compliment to me because I know the work and the effort that I put into it. But because the inspiration isn't just that I have a disability, it's that I have a disability and I put effort into dancing. If somebody is inspired by something I write, um, some column I write for a magazine that I write for in Lawrence, um, then I know how much effort I put into phrasing things correctly and using the right words and getting across the idea I want to get across. That took all kinds of effort. So I, I feel good when people compliment that. But if people just look at me in my wheelchair and say, you're inspirational, no, I'm not. I mean, I, people have told me in the past that I'm inspirational because I happen to do all these things even though I have a disability. And even though I know they're well-meaning and their heart is in the right place, what I want to say to them is, what am I supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be sitting in a corner and doing nothing and not contributing to society? and not pursuing my passions because I have a disability? 
what kind of life would that be? So given the fact that I'm living a life with a disability is not inspirational, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That fact in and of itself, I don't think should inspire anybody. That's the concept of inspiration for me. Thank you. I love the phrasing. <laughs> so, for all of us, well, I'm trying to highlight the fact that we're all the same because that's your book and it's true. You know, there is absolutely no doubting that. It's just sometimes we focus on how we're different and what we think we need or think others need or should be in all these different boxes and ideas that we have, which isn't necessarily bad, but could be troublesome, you know? And as you so eloquently highlighted in your book, it's something that everyone goes through, whether you're of a certain race or of a certain sex or of a certain um, demographic or age range or any of that, you know, whether you're a wheelchair user or not. But there are some certain etiquettes that you highlight throughout your book. And I'd like to have you kind of elaborate on some of those, the ones that you think are the most important that um, um, we should all know for everyone. Um, sure, etiquette. Um, treat adults like adults. I cannot tell you the number of people who look at me in my wheelchair and start speaking to me like I am three years old, like I am not going to understand them unless they simplify their language. Talk to me in a normal tone of voice. My legs don't work. My ears are fine. So um, somebody speaking to me louder and slower is kind of offensive to me. Um, um, the phrase I like to use is we are people with disabilities. We are people first. Um, the disability is secondary. It's a characteristic. It's like the fact that I have brown eyes and brown hair and freckles, and I like to laugh. It is a characteristic of my life. So <clears throat> I get offended when somebody says that disabled woman, because there's much more to me than that. Um, never, ever, ever use the R word to describe anything. I'm talking about the word retarded because I have never ever heard that word used in a positive context for anything. So um, I would like to kind of banish that word from the English language. I feel the same way 
about the word handicapped. Um, there are different schools of thought on this, but one of the schools of thought is that the word handicapped comes from the phrase hand in cap. And it implies that the only thing people with disabilities can do effectively is beg. So I don't like the word handicapped at all. Um, when somebody with a disability is with a caregiver or a companion, talk to somebody with a disability directly and do not ever use their companion or their caregiver to get information about them and pretend that they're not in the room. That is particularly offensive. Um, I don't know, those are, the, those are the ones that are coming to mind right now. Thank you so much for that. You know, I, you used in the book, and you just mentioned it now, the people first language. And I think that's so important when we talk about others. It's, it's a, you're highlighting it in, in the context of um, someone who uses a wheelchair, but we do it in everyday life with everyone unconsciously, subconsciously, um, in all different realms. But sometimes we talk about what it is they're doing or how it is they're doing or how they're acting or th how things are manifesting, and that's them. But it's not. As you so beautifully said, it's not. There's so much more. There's so much more. And I, I think that's amazing. You're, a lot of these concepts in these books are, I mean, they're very simple, but they're very real, you know? And they work with everyone. And there's no reason that we should treat anyone any different for any reason. And I think that's what I gained from your book the most. It's, it's a very empowering book. You use a lot of definitive statements and a lot of um, empowering speech. And so I really enjoyed that about your book. It wasn't a soft, at times of it, some of it was soft, but a lot of it was very empowering and strong. And that you can tell how strong you are by how you speak and by how you write. So I do want to talk about the, the help portion of it because you talk about your caregivers a lot in the book. Uh, you mentioned about a few stories about people talking to you and then talking to the caregiver and expecting that caregiver to give answers. Well, they're not you. In fact, that, I think there's that hospital example that you gave. Um, but I want to know, okay, how about accepting help? How about accepting, because a lot of us have problems accepting help. A lot of us have problems um, 
asking for what it is people need. So can you kind of discuss that a little bit of it, unpack that? Sure thing. Um, the, the thing, the way that I like to be approached when people wonder if I need help, first of all, like we mentioned before, I like to be asked, um, do you need help or are you okay? And I like that to be that part of the conversation to be spoken before anybody does anything, because sometimes people think they're doing that, but if they're running to help me in the process of asking me if I need help, then they're not helping. Does that make sense? Um, so what I like is for people to ask me if I need help, wait for my response, and then ask me specifically what I need help with and help what people can do. Because a lot of times, very well-meaning people with huge hearts think they know how I need help, and it's totally the opposite of what I need. So if they ask me specifically for what I need and what would be most helpful for me, and then take direction from me and do exactly what I say, then they're being helpful. Thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate you coming on to this show and speaking your truth and your experience and your wisdom and your beauty. Now, the last thing I want to touch base with you, or the last chapter you have, you have many more chapters, but we haven't, we can't touch on every single one of them. But the last one you talk about is you are fine and accepting and okay and happy with who you are. And I think that's extremely empowering for a lot of people nowadays because, you know, our, our society is very outward focused and we always are presented with the opportunity to do something else or that we're not doing what we should be or there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't be happy with who we are, just the way we are. Can you give us some inspiration on that? Yeah. Um, I am not going to even pretend to say that I don't have my struggles and I don't have bad days. And there are things about my disability that I wish were different. But I think, at least for me, I have, I figured out a long time ago that if I embrace my disability and work with it, I'm going to be a whole lot happier than fighting against it and wishing it wasn't there. So, you know, if I could look at my situation and say, 
it's because I'm a wheelchair user that I was able to succeed in sports when I was younger. It's because I'm a wheelchair user that I was able to experience wheelchair ballroom dance. It's because I'm a wheelchair user that I have been able to do all of these incredible things that I've been able to do in my life. And I've done that because I'm a wheelchair user and not in spite of it. And so if I look back on the good things in my life, the things I've enjoyed, the things that I have fueled my passion, most of them are at least somewhat related to the fact that I have cerebral palsy. So how can I say that my having cerebral palsy is a bad thing and that I wish it was different? Because if it was different, I wouldn't have been able to live the amazing life that I've lived. So, um, yes, I have these set of circumstances. Yes, sometimes, some days, some of it sucks. And that's a reality. But my life is my life. And I've had all these great things I've been able to do. And it's because of my disability that I am who I am. And I've learned what I've learned. And so... In my eyes, I have to be okay with who I am. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. We all should be okay with who we are and all that we've experienced and all that we have makes who we are. I think that's beautiful. So this book, for me, went way beyond, I think, its intended purpose. I just want you to know that, for me, at least it did. And and I want to thank you for that. And I encourage everyone, please go out and read this book. It's not you know, a book about uh, lists of do's and don'ts. It's about a journey and about your life, whether you're a wheelchair user or not. It's about treating people as people, as humans, and being brothers and sisters and encouraging each other and helping each other. And it's about understanding that even if you have some of the best interests at heart, Sometimes it's not what others need. And so communicating is key. So I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to recap everything that we talked about. While I'm doing that, I'm going to ask you to think about some of your dreams and some of your struggles, because I'm going to ask you that at the end. But we started off this conversation talking about how, more more specifically, people who are using wheelchair or any other device or tool to help them navigate through their life, how we should treat them the same. Not just treat them the same. They are the same. They're the same as you and I. We hop in our cars and drive. Well, 
Lorraine hops on her wheelchair and moves from room to room, from place to place, just as we do. So it's a tool. It's not an extension of who Lorraine is or who anyone is. And I think that's extremely important. We also talked about how to um, be accepting of that, be understanding of that, treating people equally, not thinking that one person doesn't have the ability that we think they have and jumping the gun and treating them like they don't have it without first understanding if they need or if they don't have it. So we talked about that in terms of speaking to you in ways that are not indicative of being an adult or being capable or smart enough or strong enough or any of that. And then we also talked about motivation and how in life sometimes people can grab you and push you up to places when all you need to do is struggle at that point in time. And you just want to be asked. You want to be made a part of the conversation. You want to be included in the opportunity to help, not just have that forced upon you. And I think that's extremely important for everyone. And lastly, we talked about help and how to gain help, how to ask for help. Because everybody needs help at times. Everybody needs something. And if we don't know how to ask for it, if we don't know how to ask for it before we give it, which is absolutely more important, we could end up hurting people when we didn't mean to. And lastly, we spoke about being okay with everything we have and everything that we are. And you said that beautifully by stating that you're all the experiences and all the things that you've been through allowed you to go through those things and allowed you to get into the next thing and to the, be the next person and to explore the next adventure, not to stop you, not to stop you from something else that got you to where you are, that is a part of who you are. And you can either fight it or you can use it to your advantage. And I think that is just the most amazing, beautiful talk and rhetoric and concepts and stories that you presented in the book. Do you have any modifications or suggestions? Was that pretty much true, what we talked about? I think you summed it up beautifully. Thank you for that. Okay, so now my, the idea here is to turn the tables and talk off topic about book. And I'll give you the opportunity to share some of your passions right now. 
my passion right now is to is pretty all encompassing and it's to break down barriers between people with disabilities and people without disabilities and have everybody realize people with disabilities and people without disabilities that we are that we all are more the same than different um I, being one of these people, know a lot of people with disabilities that are scared to go out and meet people sometimes because they don't know what somebody else's experience with disability is. And so they don't know how they're going to be treated. I know people who don't have disabilities who hesitate to be around people with disabilities because they don't want to be offensive and mess anything up. And so I think... Um, my passion is to do everything I can to break down all of that and just say, we're just people. We mess up, we mess up, you know, and we're going to make it better just by having an experience and giving it a try and trying it again. So I do that with the book that I wrote. Um, <laughs> I obviously want tons of people to read it. It's on Amazon. Um, I have a blog that I write. I have, I speak a lot to various audiences about how to empower people with disabilities. It's kind of all the same umbrella. I just want uh, to break down the barriers that I see that are there and make them less as much as I can. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that purpose. Thank you for that drive. I, for one, appreciate it. Now, I'm going to turn the ropes a bit and ask you some of your biggest struggles. I think some of my biggest struggles are um, feeling misunderstood a lot of times. Um, sometimes when my power has been taken away from me, I react to that. I get kind of angry. And so people think, um, that I'm just an angry person and I just, you know, I, I overreact to things. And typically, especially when, um, I'm disrespected or people talk down to me or people think that I'm that I am less than they are and are communicating that to me. Not only am I reacting to the situation at hand, I am reacting to the thousands of times this has happened before now. And that it's that it is all kind of coming to the surface at once. Um, and so, you know, do, do I want to empower people with disabilities because I want to highlight disability? No, I want to highlight the abilities people have within their disability. I think that's really important. And sometimes I don't think that's understood. And so that, those are the kinds of things that I struggle with.
Thank you for being open with that. Appreciate you. Um, so the last couple questions I have for you. Number one, you just briefly mentioned this, but can you talk about everything that you do, where we can find your book, how we can support you, come hear you, or maybe have you come speak? Um, sure. My book right now is available on Amazon. Um, speaking right now is a little bit stalled because of COVID, but I will, I will speak to any audience that, uh, gives me the privilege of doing that. I will talk about this subject till I can't anymore. Um, the way people can support me, they can, the, there's, I have a website, LorraineKinistra.com. My blog is on it. So if people want to know more about my life and my experience, they can read more than 250 blog posts that are there. Um, Buying my book is always a good thing. Um, contacting me and telling me what you think about my book is always a really cool thing for me. Um, giving my book a review on Amazon is really awesome because that helps. Um, other than that, I will just, um, I will do whatever people would like for me to do in terms of this subject and, and um, empowering people to know more about it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, do you have any questions for me now? Questions for you, Chris. <laughs> What's your favorite dance story experience with the two of us? Favorite dance? Oh, I have to, I don't know. They're all great. Our first lesson stands out the most. You know, we kind of just experimented with everything that we could think of you know, to the point of <laughs> hurting each other sometimes, you know, and it was amazing and, and beautiful. And I think that whole experience, I always had the belief that we're no different. You know, your book really speaks to me because, you know, I believe that with our whole world and the day you walked in, you showed me that. You showed me that there wasn't anything that was going to stop you. You showed me that you were expressive, you were talented, you were a force to be reckoned with. When you stepped out on that floor, 
you know, and we performed and, you know, the little nervousnesses before all of our performances and, you know, you talk me down and I talk you down and, and then we go out and blow it away. And if I messed up, you'd be like, oh, Chris, you can do better next time and look great and nobody knew and I did through. And I just thought that that was, you know, it built a friendship and it built a companionship and we were setting out on a journey together. And I think that was just very rich. It was filled full of adventure and success and, of course, failure and all of it. It was beautiful. I loved it. So let me ask you the last question. What is the one thing that we should take away from this conversation? I think my hope, the takeaway from this conversation is, is that disability is not a big deal. Disability is a characteristic of somebody's humanity. And I truly believe that either everyone has a disability or none of us do. And because that is true, I think we are all more the same than different. I think that disability is a, a uniqueness, a diversity. It is something that can be learned from it can be it can be empowering and it can be the best thing in somebody's life because of the opportunities that it provides because i wouldn't have met you if i didn't have a disability um and so i think that the takeaway is that disability doesn't have to be tragic it doesn't have to be a bad thing it can be the thing that brings people together and that it can be um, something that really shapes people's lives in a really good and rich way. Yes, ma'am. That is beautiful. I second that, third that, whoop, whoop. I total, totally believe it. Now, I really want to take this minute and thank you so much for coming on. I want to acknowledge your presence and your willingness to share yourself because Disability or no disability, wheelchair or no wheelchair, that's hard for a lot of people. And that right there shows strength, and it shows power, and it shows beauty. So without further ado, this is the end of the, the, the episode. So I want to thank you for coming on, and cheers and blessings. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate it.
Bella Life, where health and wellness starts with you.